If we're a show where we really do want to help you grow, I forgot our tagline. Did you forget our new tagline? Okay, let me remind you. <laughs> grow a life, an everyday life of meaning matters. Why can't I remember this? <laughs> grow a daily life that matters. A daily life. So if we really want to help you do what our tagline claims to grow an everyday life that why That's do I keep what saying every day? <laughs> Grow a daily life that matters. There you go. Got it. <laughs> Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And as usual, we're talking about how in a world that loves bigger, better, fast, and famous, you and I are still learning that the very best stories actually grow out of the soil of everyday life. Yeah, and today we get really honest and say sometimes that can feel annoying. (laughs) Sometimes it's the repetition that kills us. We share some of our most annoying teenager habits that drive us crazy when we repeat no, no, no over and over again. And then somehow uh, we end up getting real uh, deep about it. I know, that's right. I didn't expect that a conversation about my messy refrigerator would end up as a conversation about life and death. So get comfy, friends. Because here we go. All right, Christy, let's return back to a subject, a cliffhanger we left last week, just (laughs) hanging out there. Your fridge, ketchup, opened, half-eaten little tubs of Chick-fil-A sauce, and our fridges. That's (laughs) right. I'm I'm sure our listeners have just been on the edge of their seats, pins and needles, all (laughs) the things, to find out. Tell me, tell me the story of your messy refrigerator. <laughs> well, you they thought they thought I was joking, right? Right. <laughs> they thought I was joking when I said stay tuned for more about our refrigerators. Guess what? I was joking, but we decided to do it anyway. <laughs> there you go, because there is a lot to be said about how the state of one's refrigerator reflects the state of one's mind. If we really are serious about wanting to grow a daily life that matters, then we have to look at the parts that make up our daily life because If you've been on this earth for any period of time, I think what you start to feel like is that you're suffering from, maybe this is just me, but I would call it death by repetition, Mm -hmm. right? Or death by routine, because there are so many things you have to do every day over and over and over, and it's never over. That's the thing. It's never over. And so a fridge is a perfect example of that, in my opinion, because you can have a day where you get inspired. And I've had that on Instagram sometimes. I share how I clean out my fridge. And then many people will message me and say, oh, my goodness, you've inspired me. I'm going to clear out my fridge. And I take pictures. And it makes me so happy every time I open the fridge. And it lasts for less than 24 hours. And then someone has shoved in like, do your kids do this? A half-eaten something. Oh, yeah. A scrap of something at the bottom of a Ziploc bag or a Tupperware or like half eaten, like not even a half, like maybe there's like a two bites left of a Subway sandwich. But then all the (laughs) wrapping is in there, too. They just shove it in the back, you know, like (laughs) like they were considerate because maybe they'll eat it at some point or sometimes they'll have leftover cheese gratings and somebody has cleared the table and felt like you know the tiny thimble full of cheese that (laughs) remains must be stored in a giant tupperware in the fridge so the fridge is often a reflection of my mental state christy i feel it so intensely this time of year when we're transitioning from summer to autumn the kids are back in school i don't know what it is these things they matter in the summer sort of right the state of our refrigerator always matters but in the summer 
I don't know. It, I guess in the morning, there's there's less of a routine we're all involved in. It's just me, the kids, whenever they get up. Um, there's more daylight. I don't know. Somehow that helps. The days feel longer. So if things have really gone terribly wrong in the refrigerator, I feel like I've got some time to deal with it. But there's something about right now where something as simple as leftovers smushed to the back of the refrigerator can just, it can derail the whole morning routine, right? It's like a domino right now. Mm. Right now, my daily routines are a line of dominoes. And if, and if one of them goes, goes bad, then there are all these repercussions, including maybe my child missing the bus and now I have to drive them to school and then I miss my morning phone call and on and on. So this morning, um, it actually wasn't the refrigerator. It was a missing hairbrush. So my youngest has this long, fine hair that tangles so easily and keeping her hair is a constant thing, but she refuses to do like pull it back or do, anyway, it's a thing. And so every morning I say to her, please eat your breakfast, please brush your teeth, please brush your hair. <laughs> so this morning she was looking so cute. She has some new autumn back to school clothes Aww. that she's pulling out these outfits. Oh my gosh, she looked adorable. And she's setting off in her hair, Lisa Joe, her hair, like just, just bad. Like and birds I am not are someone living with, there. Yeah, I'm not someone with super high standards about <laughs> my children's <laughs> hygiene. <laughs> but it, it, it was bad. It was bad. And, uh, and so, and she's running out the door to walk down the driveway with my husband to, to meet the bus. She's already running late. And I see that and I think, I, I can't let that go. So I kind of yell after her, I'm going to look, I'm going to. Bring the hairbrush to the bus stop. And so I go up to her room to find the hairbrush. Lisa Joe, I can't find the hairbrush. I look everywhere where I think the hairbrush will be. So then I start calling my husband who's walking down the driveway. He doesn't answer. I call my high school son who's also walking down the driveway. He doesn't answer. Why? Why? I'm always like, why do we buy you phones? Why do you have a phone? You are required to answer if a parent calls you. What is wrong with you? I have this conversation with them every day. Yes. So now steam is coming out of my head. I have my whole morning to get to, but I can't find the hairbrush. I, and I've said I'm coming to the bus stop with the hairbrush. So then I call my husband again. He finally picks up and I say, please ask Elsa, where is her hairbrush? So then she has to describe to me under the art cabinet in with the did. So I find the hairbrush. I run down the driveway. I get her hair smoothed out for the bus. I realize, oh, poor child really needs a good shampoo. Oh. It's it's bad. Oh. <laughs> but at least I've smoothed it out. So all this to say, these are crises that just don't happen in the summer. Because in the summer, it doesn't matter if her hair is unbrushed. Mm. It doesn't matter if she can find her shoes. It doesn't matter if leftovers are smushed to the back of the refrigerator. Because where are we going anyway? We've got time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. The whole vibe in summer is different. But in September, these little things like putting, you know, sandwiches back in the fridge or putting where the shoes go or where the hairbrush is, or just even in my own life, where's my cell phone? Where are my sneakers that I need to walk to the bus stop? All these things become like the tiny little, what is it? The death by a thousand cuts. Oh, say that again. What? what, what? You know <laughs> that know expression, that? death by a thousand cuts? Oh, yes. That's how yes, it feels, right? Exactly. Like there are all these yeah. little things that when they go awry, it's like slice, 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 slice into your morning. Yes. And then there I am like trying to do deep breathing and <laughs> praying the Jesus prayer to recover <laughs> from the the trauma of finding the hairbrush. So I feel right? like there are two kinds of things we're talking about here. We're talking about when it goes awry. So there are all these little things that 
that can get messed up. And then that you're is so right. Your day is a, is a series of dominoes. And for our listeners who maybe work outside of the home, I did that for years. So I understand like it is key that you get out the house at a certain period of time because you're going to hit certain traffic and certain flows that you have to get in and out of. And everything can get thrown off by one kid who can't find a soccer sock. How many times have we dumped soccer, dumped laundry out looking for soccer socks? Like Peter, and when Peter searches for things, he doesn't like dump it out and then put it back. Like they're just piles now of dirty laundry and clean laundry everywhere because we're trying to find a sock. So Mm -hmm. that's when you have all the dominoes fall down. That's very frustrating. But then I also feel like when I, so that's kind of like death by a thousand cuts, but then there's also death by repetition, which is the things you just have to do over and over and over again, the same things, because that's how a life continues to run. I mean, such a basic example of this. Tell me how many times you've sat down in the bathroom, reached for toilet paper, and then there's none there because the child who went before you used it up and didn't replace it. And what makes me very, very angry is my teenage sons, while they know where the toilet paper is stored, and there is plenty, they can go to the cupboard and get some. They're too lazy to do that. So they come into our bathroom and just take the roll off of our toilet paper holder They just take that to their bathroom so that when you sit down, there's nothing. There's no toilet paper there. (laughs) It makes me so crazy. And so it is a very vulnerable thing as a 47-year-old woman to be sitting in your bathroom and then have to yell to your teenage sons, I need toilet paper. What have you done with it? And often they'll yell back, yes, sorry, we used up the last roll. So then they've not even told you that we are Uh, out of toilet paper. Out of toilet paper, right. So this kills me. Like... Just the repetition of like, we need toilet paper. You have to unload and load the dishes. That's my least favorite. You have to wipe out the gross drawers in the fridge where you store produce that you aspire to eat and that you never, ever eat. Have you seen that meme where they say you buy like green bell peppers and then you should just bypass the vegetable drawer and just throw them immediately into the trash (laughs) because you just know that's what's going to (laughs) happen. I know the best intentions and then it's a melted puddle. I and know. so that's I part know. of, okay, so now you're, you're listening, thinking, why are you telling us what we already know? <laughs> what like, are why are you cataloging our failures? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I think this is largely why we love the idea of this podcast, um, to grow a daily life that matters because it can start to feel like it doesn't matter. It can start to feel like all it is is repetition and repetition is meaningless. When we were in Michigan this summer, we got to visit the Detroit auto plant and it was very interesting to learn about Mr. Ford. Um, so this is the Ford plant right outside of Detroit and how when they instituted this manufacturing that happened there, these machines that you could I mean, it's just astonishing, the assembly line he put together. But then people essentially become like cogs in that machine, and they're just repeating the same tasks over and over. And so there was a lot of criticism and debate about that. Like, is it okay if people do the kind of work of machines, and now you've removed all creativity, and all you have is repetition? And um, it's just really interesting in a totally secular, non-sacred environment to see how big that conversation was and how strongly we all feel about having meaning in our lives. And so when I am unloading and reloading the dishes, it's very easy for me to have a narrative in my head that says this is meaningless. There's no meaning here. And that's why we're here today, because we want to help rescue you from the rut of your daily 
not, I won't even say routines because routines can be beautiful, but more like mm-hmm. your daily repetitions. We want to show you how to see them differently. Yeah, because the ordinary can feel like the quicksand that's got a hold of us. So here's, have you seen this meme lately? I, I, I've, I've seen a few people share it on social media and I relate deeply to this. <laughs> so I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it's something like, hey, having grown up in the 80s, <laughs> I really thought that quicksand and how to escape it was going to be a much more critical issue in my adult <laughs> life than it has turned out to be. And the first time I saw it, I laughed. The second time I saw it, I laughed again. The third time I saw it, I thought, you know what? This is actually really true. I can remember thinking a lot about quicksand as a kid. <laughs> Do you think it's because we all grew up watching The Princess Bride where they I sink into so. that quicksand? Yeah, I, I think it was cartoons had it, Princess Bride had it, I think maybe books I read. It just, I encountered quicksand in a lot of contexts. <laughs> <laughs> but the version of that today is that, yeah, the dishes can yeah. feel like quicksand. And, and what I mean by quicksand is not that, it's not that, oh, this is this terrible thing that traps us and here we are stuck doing dishes. I don't mean that. I mean what happens to me in that moment where I think, oh my goodness, here I am again doing this meaningless thing. I have so many more important things on my list, which is what my brain does when I am once again emptying the dishwasher. And let's just pause to say, I'm really grateful to have a dishwasher. Yes, it helps. Very, very grateful. <laughs> it, it does help. But um, but my brain can still go there. And I think, so what, it, it operates like quicksand because I move into this very despondent place where I I lose motivation. I think, uh, meaning, I'm like the 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 song of song of Solomon. I'm like Solomon, like me, vanity, vanity, <laughs> all yes. is vanity. And I I can become it, it. It becomes like an infection almost, and I feel lethargic. In time, can feel like lethargic, can feel kind of hopeless. It can breeds kind of resentment. Everything. I feel like I start to resent like the yeah. people I'm serving in my house. I and then oh, I feel yeah. like. Those yeah. little cuts and resentments can explode. I definitely struggled in the past. I did lose my temper. And I'm like, I cannot believe your socks are still sitting here on yes. the ground. Or how many times do I have to tell you to put your soccer stuff out the night before? I feel like I just repeat the same words over and over again, too, related to these what feel like deeply meaningless tasks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So quicksand. Yeah, like yeah, emotional, spiritual yeah. quicksand. So Lisa Joe, I've been reading this really great book. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm, so I'm reading it in little chunks because it's giving me so much to think about. It's it's called, <laughs> I mean, as soon as I tell you the title, you're going to say like, oh, yes. <laughs> How relevant. Time and Despondency, oh, it's wow. called. Time and Despondency. And then the subtitle is Regaining the Present in faith and life, wow. regaining the present in faith and life. And um, Nicole, I don't know how to say her name, Rockus. Nicole Rockus is the author, R-O-C-C-A-S. Um, the cool thing about this book is she's actually a, um, she's a Christian. Uh, she's um, she's an Orthodox Christian, so she's writing from that perspective. But I'll just share, I, I am not personally Orthodox, and I'm loving it, getting so much out of it. And she's a historian of time, what? So, yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, so she has, she's just read lots of things about how we have in the church and just in the culture at large thought about time and understood it. And she draws a lot on just spiritual writings over the centuries about time, but especially this, this sense of that quicksand moment where we're in the present moment, but we, we are, we feel only like, 
uh, like it's procrastination. It's, I think the desert monks called it acedia. It's despondency. It's that kind of like, ah, oh, what vanity, vanity, right? Um, so I'm just going to read this, this one quotation. Um, actually, I just said that, but you know what? I might read another one later because it's a good book. Let's see. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> but I think I'm only going to read one. Um, she says, time then becomes not, so actually, do I want to back up a little? Now, I'll start here. We'll see. Time then becomes not only the vehicle of relationship and eternity. So, she's talking about time if, if seen in a truly Christian perspective. Time then becomes not only the vehicle of relationship and eternity, but the path of transformation we can travel to get there. From this vantage point, time, for all its repetition, becomes not a fatal loop of mortality, but an upward spiral, a, quote, never-ending dance of love drawing us farther up and farther into the eternally loving God. And the thing about this quote, but also just the book as a whole that I'm learning as I read it, is that Every, here I'm going to get a little cheesy, so here's a completely cheesy cliche. The present, uh, the present moment is a, is a, it's called the present moment because it's a gift, yeah. right? Like how cheesy. <laughs> and yet, actually, it turns out to be true because we only encounter God in the present moment. And you're saying, wait, wait, wait no, that's not true. I, I've encountered him in the past. I'm sure he'll be there in the future. Well, yes, yes, absolutely. But we only commune with God. We only connect with God right now. And every moment is an invitation to commune with God, to receive His presence, to be near to Him every single moment. So, if that's true, then that moment at the sink doing the dishes, or that moment when I finally give up or give in or choose the right path and pull out the crisper drawer and dump out the contents and soap it up in the sink and, you know, go to that trouble— that moment, too, is a moment given to me to commune with God, to encounter God. And when I don't receive it, when I just sink into resentment and despondency and, oh, woe is me, well, what am I not doing? I, I am absolutely not communing with God in that moment. And so then, in that sense, it was a missed opportunity, not because I had to do the dishes and I couldn't do something else. Because I was there in the present and totally ignoring how God was making himself available to me now. And that's the thing about time. It is, it is the, the gift we're given in order to like connect with God. Because we can't do, we actually cannot do it in the past or in the future. We do it now. We do it right now. We're doing it now as right. we talk on this podcast, as we record. <laughs> and maybe a listener is wondering, well, what does that mean, commune with God? Like, am I supposed to pray during that time? Am I supposed to have an audio book? Am I supposed to listen to scripture? And and I'm, I'm sure those are all good things. I'm sure you could do any of those things. Sure. I think what, what has helped me over the years when I think about feeling connected to God in those moments is I'm connected through the actual actions I'm doing. So what I'm doing is I'm creating order out of chaos. I'm I am bringing peace into my home, and that is what God is at work doing in the world, which is the home He has created for us. And so, in that sense, I'm united. So, when I experience frustration at the clutter closing in on me, or the chaos of the shoe cupboard, or the despair of my fridge, 
I actually, as I get older, receive that as a spiritual prompting of, yes, the reason you feel this way is that you are created in the image of a God who creates order in the universe, who brings beauty and life. And in places in your household now, I don't mean to overstate or over-spiritualize, but this helps me, but there's like decay creeping in, like death is coming in, right? It's crawling in and we love fairy tales and I often imagine kind of like the fairy tale palace that has the thorns, you know, growing around Sleeping Beauty, like here it comes, you know, the the creep of my children, particularly my sons, you and I have talked about this, You, I ask them, please clean your room and then their idea of that is they just pile everything that's on the floor onto one chair. So now (laughs) that's nice. You've now condensed all of your chaos, but it is now a black hole in the corner of your room. Right. It's now a concentrated form of chaos. Yes. So like (laughs) there is the thorn bush. I can see it. But when I, when I create order and what's interesting is even though my children might resist it and not want to spend time sorting or cleaning But when you're done, there is this exhale that I describe like as a spiritual exhale. You know, the Holy Spirit is described as breath. There's this moment where you exhale and you say to yourself, I, I'm, it is finished. You know, I did it. And then you rest like God did when he creates. And maybe some of you are thinking that's so crazy, Lisa Joe, that you read all that in, but it's what helps rescue me from the repetition, the rut of daily life, because I'm reminded I'm actually connected to God right now in this moment. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, scripture talks about this idea of, repentance, when we repent from something we've done, it's a turn. You're actually turning around. You're going in one direction and then you stop and you make a U-turn and you go in the other direction. And we do that. We just don't realize it. We are doing that in our homes all the time. We do it when we parent and we tell our children, wait, stop, turn, come back to me. That behavior you're doing, that choice, that thing you're listening to or watching, come back away from that. The only thing that helps me get through the repetition is when I'm able to actually see it with a spiritual lens and say, I am walking in the path of God right now in this tiny kingdom he's given me, which is my home, and I get to make order. And (laughs) my house doesn't always look orderly. It probably looks chaotic a lot more, which is an accurate picture of the struggle we have in different (laughs) seasons. And so in our family right now, um, in my extended family, we're going through a hard thing. We're all walking through together. And so when you arrive at our house right now, you can tell, I was actually talking to Pete about this. It's so overgrown outside, like that, that weird grass that can just grow. I don't understand it. Like grow up in our flower beds again this year. It's really, really high and you have to pull it out and we haven't had time. And I said to Pete, man, it's so discouraging when you pull into our driveway. we would think the people who live here just don't care for their property at all. And I said to him, but I think what's interesting, it's a, it's a reflection that currently the place where we are doing the work of creating peace and order out of chaos is in our family, like in these different relationships we have with our extended family in South Africa and other places here in the States where people are going through very hard things. So all of our energy is focused on creating beauty and order and peace and presence and shalom there. And so there are other places where you can tell, oh, they haven't had energy to spend it here. So Please don't hear me saying you, if you don't have a perfectly ordered house or yard, you're not working with God. <laughs> like, that's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But I'm saying that, but seeing how God invites us into that work brings meaning 
to the repetition of often meaningless tasks. Right. You know, sometimes you might send your child off to school with their hair unbrushed because you sat with them and talked with them. And that would be the better, that would be the better thing. I think, um, yeah, I really resonate with that. And I think what helps me and why I read that particular quotation is that I can, especially as I get older, I'll be honest, I can struggle with this a little more. Like I'm maybe technically middle-aged now. I don't really know where we say that begins. But, you know, as someone smack dab in the middle of my 40s, watching my children almost every day overnight just grow, 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 um, and and really feeling in ways that I didn't in my 20s that time just is slipping through my fingers, um, I can feel, this is this is part of the quicksand for me, and, and what can make me feel like it's meaningless is it just feels like I'm getting nearer and nearer to loss. My kids leaving home, illnesses or health problems that might come with older, growing older, and then death, right? right. That's what I can feel, like I right. am just moving closer to that. Yes. But if we are rooting ourselves in God, every chance we can, you know, doing that abiding that we talk about, like, Jesus said, just abide in me. So if we're, you know, um, in faithfulness, trying to abide in him every day, then what this um, writer is, is really revealing for me in this book is that I am actually not in this downward spiral to old age, ill health, my children gone, and and death. <laughs> it maybe looks like that on the surface, but actually that is not what's happening at all. I, I am participating in this upward, onward, deeper in journey um, of eternal life. And so then, you know, I'm, I'm always just that one step closer to life and to life everlasting. And, um, and that encourages me because I can get pretty melancholy, uh, especially I can, I can spend a lot of time looking back. I can, I can wallow a bit in nostalgia. Um, I mean, if I pull out like a photo album, whoa, <laughs> it, it never, it never makes me feel good. It always makes me want to cry, honestly. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm, oh, I'm so glad you gone. feel that way too. I mean, I've really been struggling with that a lot recently as well. I think because we are at that stage where we have a lot more of the stories around us are hard ones. They're stories where people we love are suffering, and it's very, very painful. And I felt for a long time, okay, I, I have this mentality where I feel like it'll, I just have to get through this hard thing, and then I can, it'll be over. Like, we'll be back to normal. I think that's, I have this idea in my head, and then we'll be back to normal. But what I'm realizing now is that that doesn't ever happen. It's more like waves that keep coming. So like a wave hits and you catch your breath, but then there's another wave. And that is the way of life. Like life is that. You are constantly walking through these different waves. And I think for those of us who are older, it seems like there are more sets of waves coming faster mm -hmm. <laughs> with less time in between them. And And I don't know that I've made my peace with that, but I do know that there seems to be a degree to which the only way to build character, the only way to grow is, is through suffering. Like, I mean, that biblical truth to me more and more seems true now and hard. I wish there was a shortcut, but when I watch the people in my life who are suffering currently and I see God, like I see God in them, like I see him, like I feel like I can tangibly see him through them there's just no shortcut. There's no way around, which which has to mean like the deeper we walk into that kind of water, the closer we are to God. It's not that we're walking into loneliness or the end. 
Instead, mm-hmm. we're walking into community and the beginning. Mm-hmm. The beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I need to believe, and I think I need to believe it because it is actually true, that I <laughs> and all creation are being renewed or have this this chance to be remade, renewed. You know, um, the words we hear from Christ at the very end of our Bibles, at the end of Scripture, I am making all things new, that that actually is what I am walking towards. But that it's happening, it begins now. I can enter into that now, even as my body, you know, grows older, my refrigerator goes on growing mold, right? And um, and it's both. It's both and. There's a tension there. It's not It's not one or the other, you know? And, and I like to think, to again, return to the refrigerators, which really are like, they're not just symbolic. They, they are the thing, the point where we, where we can just despair. When we see, again, the work that we've done looks as if it's become undone. It can feel just wasted. It can feel like, ah, oh, what is even the point? What's the point of brushing my daughter's hair? It's just going to get tangled again at school. What's the point of cleaning out this crisper drawer? What's the point of doing the dishes again? But to know in that moment, we're participating, we're joining in again, this renewal of all things, and we get to do it again and again and again, and it's growing and it's growing and it's flowing like fresh water, like a fountain. It's bubbling up and we're getting closer and closer to the source. Until one day, right? That's all there is. So that's a really exciting story, but it's not always, it's not usually the story I'm telling myself in my head. Right. And I guess I'll add here at the end, I was watching recently, I texted you about this yesterday. This, um, I don't know if you call it a documentary. It's because it's not like fiction, but it's um, on Discovery Plus, the Chip and Joanna Gaines have this new network called Magnolia Network, I think. And I like bought a like subscription just so I could watch for, you know, you can buy for, a fr- you can get a free week and then pay for a month or something like that. Cause I wanted to watch this show. It's like, I think five part series on, um, if you probably follow them online, they're called Florette Flowers and the show is called Growing Florette and it's about a flower farmer. Her name is Erin. Of course, I, I've been drawn to her, of course, because I know Christy. She's <laughs> like watching a Christy. But what's so interesting about her is she was farming flowers for decades, way before it became a trendy thing to do. She's been doing it in her backyard forever. And then because they were sort of the first to start sharing about it in the social media spaces, not even intentionally, she's sort of become the face of flower farming. And they have this, I mean, unbelievable flower farm. Um, I think they're Florette Flowers, right, on Instagram? Mm-hmm. And Florette yeah. is F-L-O-R-E-T. It's, their pictures are so beautiful. And what's fun, too, is they grow dahlias, which Christy has talked about at length on the show. <laughs> Um, but what's really interesting to me is they're a flower farm who no longer sell their flowers. So they have like acres and acres. I mean, you just, it's astonishing when they do the aerial views. You just think how, wait, flower farming is a thing. They grow these flowers not for the flowers. They don't sell them anymore. They grow them for the seeds. And how do you harvest a flower seed? It's the end of the season and the flower dies. And it like literally becomes almost dust in your hand, the petals, and then there are the seeds left behind. And I just watched yesterday this astonishing episode where they, um, where the frost finally comes. They are farm in the state of Washington. And so after these glorious summers of fields and fields of flowers, they then, the frost arrives 
lives. And they call it, I thought this was so cute. They call it frostmas, like Christmas, (laughs) because they say when the frost comes, their work is done because then the flowers die. But they say what's, and I thought it was so sad. They have all these close-ups of these flowers that literally that were like glorious 10 hours before crystallize. And then they just dissolve into almost mush they turn black and ugly and then there's nothing there it all happens in like 12 hours but she said they love it because it means all their work has paid off that watching the flowers die mean here are the seeds now and the seeds are what they will sell and so they they see such beauty in those dying fields i get choked up when i talk about it and when i watched it i was crying peter was sitting in the next door office and i was like it's so beautiful are you listening to this it's so beautiful <laughs> but there, there, I think, is that perspective of how when Jesus talks about new life and life to the full, it looks different for him than it does for us. And what we see maybe as death, he, he doesn't. He understands there's more to it, that what you're suffering, what you're going through, your repetition, your hard times, the waves that are drowning you are actually producing, and he talks about this in Scripture, fruit, you know, and and in abundance. And so when I saw her with those dead flowers and then this handful of seeds that would produce a whole new crop of flowers, I was so, so moved. And it helps me, man, when I come down to the most basic parts of a day, where's the toilet paper refilling that roll over and over again? It feels like seeds. And wow, Christy, that's such a full circle for us. Back I, to I was going to say that. Show. Isn't it? It's exactly for full circle because we started season one of this podcast talking about seeds, <laughs> grass seeds in particular. If you've joined us since then, you should go back and listen because here we are again at the start of season four talking about seeds, which means we're talking about death, which means we're talking about birth. We're talking about new life. Um, And we're talking about our everyday, daily, ordinary lives, because that's where it happens. That's the soil. That's where it begins. So this week, if you are unloading your dishes or buying toilet paper at Costco or sorting socks or driving a kid or stuck in the carpool lane and you want to snap a photograph of that moment and share it with us on Instagram, it will be life-giving to Christy and I. Mm. I am at Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. And you go ahead and tag us in your everyday moments of your routine. Let's rescue our repetitive rhythms together by seeing them through the sacred liturgy, the sacred lens of how God is always bringing new life. And if you want to leave us a review, we sure would love it. Tell us in your review how maybe the show has helped you see a little bit of your ordinary in a completely different way. We hope we are here growing meaning alongside you guys out of our everyday lives. (laughs) 